We read the word of the Lord this morning in Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings, to open before him the two leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee, and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass, and cut in sunder the bars of iron. I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Drop down, ye heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe unto him that striveth with his Maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it, What makest thou, or thy work? He hath no hands. Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begettest thou, or to the woman? What hast thou brought forth? Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his Maker, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons, and concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their host have I commanded. I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city, he shall let, and he shall let go my captives, not for price nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. Thus saith the Lord, the labor of Egypt and merchandise of Ethiopia and of the Sabians, men of stature, shall come over unto thee, and they shall be thine. They shall come after thee in chains. They shall come over, and they shall fall, fall down unto thee. They shall make supplication unto thee, saying, Surely God is in thee, and there is none else. There is no God. Verily thou art a God that hidest thyself, O God of Israel, the Savior. They shall be ashamed and also confounded, all of them. They shall go to confusion together that are makers of idols. But in Israel shall be, sa- but Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Ye shall not be ashamed nor confounded, world Without end. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he hath created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in the dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, Seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come. 
draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return. And unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say, In the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. Thus where we read God's holy and inerrant word. May God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. It's on the basis of Isaiah 45 and many other passages of scripture that we find the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism Lord's Day 49. Question 124, which is the third petition? The answer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may renounce our own will, And without murmuring, obey thy will, which is only good. That so everyone may attend to and perform the duties of his station and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels do in heaven. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, The same thing that we have noted the last two weeks by way of introduction, we take note of once again this morning that we are considering a petition unto God. When Jesus Christ taught His disciples to pray, the third petition that He gave unto them was, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And emphasizing again that this is a petition that we are making to God, we are underscoring the fact that this is something that we are asking God to give unto us. We are not simply here making a statement, an observation of reality that God's will will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. It is true that God's will is done upon this earth and that only God's will, God's sovereign will is done upon this earth. But in teaching us to pray, Jesus Christ is not giving unto us here simply a statement or an observation of reality. But Jesus is here teaching us that we must ask something of God. There is something that we lack. And there is a void that we of ourselves are unable to fill, for which we must go unto the Almighty God, who alone is capable of filling that void. We as parents cannot cause God's will to be done in the lives of our children. 
we as office bearers, pastor, elders, and deacons, cannot cause God's will to be done in the lives of the parishioners. But this is a petition that we are lifting up to God. He alone, with His outstretched arm and mighty hand, has the ability to execute His will. Thy will be done. We use that as our theme, praying that God's will be done. First, we'll consider what? Praying what? Second, praying why? And then third, praying who? Praying what? Why? And who? What is it that Jesus Christ teaches us to ask of God in this petition? What is that void that we mentioned in the introduction that God alone is capable of filling? The first thing that we are asking of God here in this petition is that God would teach us what is His will. If we are going to execute and perform the will of God, the only way that we can carry out that will of God is if we understand what is God's holy will. And so to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is to pray, Almighty God, give unto me a humble and a teachable spirit that I might not take my will and my desires and impose upon Thy will and Thy desires and stubbornly persist in maintaining that my will and my desires are better than Thy will for my life. But it's to pray, Gracious Father, give unto me meekness that I might know what is Thy will. We'll never do God's will. We don't know it. What is God's will? We may speak of God's will from two different perspectives. There is on the one hand what is called the will of God's decree. And on the other hand, there is what is called the will of God's command. Decree and command. The will of God's decree is the efficacious and the unchanging counsel of God. That's the will of His decree. It is His power by which God brings into existence everything that has its existence. And it is that providence of God by which He governs and upholds all things that have their existence upon this earth. The writer of Isaiah, Isaiah 45, speaks of this power of God's Providence in creation. Verse 12, I have made the earth and created man upon it. Even my hands have stretched out the heavens and all their host have I commanded. That's the will of God's decree that there would be heavens and earth. And by God's hands He created them. And then the will of God's decree includes His governing government over that creation. Verse 6, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside Me. I am the Lord and there is none else. The will of God's decree is that the sun would rise up in the east and settle down in the west. The will of God's decree 
is that this or that nation would rise to power and exercise great influence upon this earth, executing the will of God. And then the will of God's decree is that that nation would crumble and collapse, and God will raise up a different nation. The will of God's decree is that that God would give unto us seasons of life where we have prosperity, where we have riches, where we have health and strength. And then the will of God's decree is that there will be seasons of life where we experience hardships and trials, disappointments and heartaches, brokenness and loss. Thy will be done on earth is to pray that God would give me the grace to know the will of His decree. That there is nothing that happens upon this earth by chance or by accident. No sickness. No hospitalization. No death. That comes apart from His sovereign command. But then on the other hand, we are praying that God grant us to know the will of His command. The will of His command is closely related to the will of His decree. And yet there is a distinction. The will of His command is what God requires of us. It is God's expectation of what the creature will do. It is God's requirement of how the creature will think and will and behave. The will of God's command is revealed unto us in His holy law. The Ten Commandments given unto Moses. And so when we pray, Thy will be done on earth, we are praying, Father, Teach me thy law. For how can I execute? How can I carry out thy will upon this earth except I know what is thy law? This is really the emphasis of the Heidelberg Catechism as the Catechism explains this third petition. And the Catechism says, Grant that we and all men may renounce our own will. And without murmuring, obey thy will, which is only good. The catechism here is putting the emphasis upon the will of God's command. This is what God requires of us. And so we pray, Father, give unto me grace to know these requirements. Open up thy law unto me. May I be like the psalmist who searched the Scriptures who meditated upon God's Word day and night. Father, give unto me the ability to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. To be like Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus Christ and received instruction from her Lord and from her Savior. Father, help me to see where I've broken the fourth commandment, where I haven't kept the Sabbath day as I ought to be keeping the Sabbath day by frequenting the house of the Lord. Father, give unto me the ability to see where I have broken that seventh commandment, where I've had impure thoughts and desires rise up in my heart. Teach me thy will. That is, what it is that Thou dost require of me. The wise person wants to know the revealed will of God. The unwise person 
thinks he has it all figured out. Ephesians 5, verse 17, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then, as God reveals unto us His will, then, to move to the next point, we add to our petition here that God give us the ability to perform His will. That we would renounce our own will and perform, obey God's will for our lives. I have a will. You have a will as well. It's not just God who has a desire, a will, something that He would accomplish. But God has created you and me in such a way that you are thinking, willing, reasoning, desiring people. The single, unmarried young person wills that someday God grant unto him or her a spouse. The childless couple wills that God would open up the womb and provide unto them covenant offspring. The parents of the rebellious child will that the heart of that child would be turned so that they would repent and walk in ways of righteousness. We have wills and desires. And the more that we come to know another individual, a friend upon this earth, the more comfortable that we become sharing and revealing that will unto others. The more we trust an individual and the more intimate our relationship is with that individual, then the more we open up to them and share with them the dreams and the desires that we have. And that's not wrong in and of itself to have a will, nor is it wrong that we share these dreams and these desires with others. And yet the Catechism says that we are to renounce our own will. What the Catechism is teaching us here is that there are times where our will is in conflict with the holy and just will of God's decree and of His command. And at those times when man's will is different than the holy will of God, the duty that man has in those situations is to renounce, to let go of his own will, and without murmuring, obey God's will. Even the holiest of men have the calling to renounce their own will. Jesus Christ, in the garden of Gethsemane, as the bloody sweat was being pressed out of him, prayed, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. If Jesus Christ found it necessary to pray, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. How much more so is it not necessary that we sinners upon this earth whose will is obdurate and stubborn and rebellious by nature must pray, nevertheless, Not as I will, but as Thou wilt. 
renounce our own will, but then we must follow the catechism here as the catechism speaks of the activity of obedience. And without murmuring, obey thy will, the catechism speaks of here. In making this third petition, Jesus Christ is not teaching us that we may withdraw from any sort of activity in praying, Thy will be done. This does not mean that I may now go relax, that I may rest upon the easy chair and put my feet up because, well, God is going to make sure that His will is accomplished. And because God's will is sovereign and God's will is efficacious, Therefore, there's really no need for me to do anything. All I have to worry about is renouncing my own will, letting go of my will, where my will is in conflict with God's will. But then, God will take care of the rest. That is not the lead that the Heidelberg Catechism gives unto us here. We are not making a request for passivity on behalf of the child of God. But to pray, Thy will be done, is to pray that God would work in my heart so that I might go out and accomplish and execute His good command in my life. This is a call for action for the child of God. That I would obey His good will. It is true that God is sovereign over all things. It is true that God has the power, the ability simply to speak the Word. And His will will be accomplished. But the wisdom of God is this, that God is pleased to work through human beings, dust creatures, to accomplish His will. God made you. He shaped you in such a way that you are able to execute His will. Thy will be done. That is, give me the ability to obey Thy will. Commandments. And we must do this with a proper attitude. The Catechism on several different occasions speaks of the attitude that we are to have while we obey God's will. It says that we are to do this without murmuring. And then a little bit later on, Catechism says that we may attend to and perform the duties of our station and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels do in heaven. And so that's part of our prayer here in lifting up this third petition as well. Gracious Father, change my heart so that I want to perform Thy good pleasure. Give unto me grace that I might love Thy will and perform it as faithfully and as willingly as the angels do in heaven. And so this is a prayer then for contentment with the will of God. That I might not be angry when God's revealed will is different than what my will would be, but that I might be satisfied with what is God's good pleasure for me. But how difficult, how incredibly difficult it is to have the proper attitude to God's revealed will, when it is evident that His will is different than my will. 
How is it even possible to obey God's good will when God's will in my life is that there be chronic disease, an incurable sickness in the home? How is it possible that I perform my duties and callings as faithfully and as willingly as the angels do in heaven when God has put this thorn in the flesh in my life and pray though I might that that thorn be removed, it's evidently not God's will to take it out. How can I have a proper attitude toward the will of God. When God has given unto me children which are wayward. How? How can we faithfully and willingly submit to His will? For us to understand how we may have a proper attitude toward the will of God, we do well to understand what this does not require of us. Having a proper attitude toward the will of God in my life does not require of me that I fail to acknowledge the difficulty of the pathway that God has ordained for me. Or to state it positively, we may faithfully honor and recognize the will of God in our lives while simultaneously acknowledging that the road that the Lord has set for me is a difficult and a hard way. Acknowledging The weightiness of the will of God in my life is not synonymous with being rebellious against the will of God. If one reads through the Psalms, one sees again and again how the psalmist confessed unto God the difficulties, the loneliness, the grief of heart that he endured as he went through this earthly pilgrimage. And I believe that this is important for us as Christians to understand and to, 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 to do even, to acknowledge the difficulty of the, the, the Lord's will in my life. You see, there's another voice out there, and that's the voice of the health and the wealth gospel. And the health and the wealth gospel says that once you are a Christian, once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, that then you may expect that God is going to bless you abundantly with physical provisions for the rest of your life. You can expect that God is going to give you health and strength. And there can be a part of that thinking that even enters into and influences our own minds and our will. That after all, I'm a Christian. And after all, I've confessed my faith in God. So shouldn't this mean that God gives unto me a somewhat easier pathway? The reality is that even Christians become depressed, become overcome with sorrow with grief, with pain. And that doesn't mean that we're angry at God. It doesn't mean we're rebelling against Him. But it means I'm acknowledging that this is God's will for my life. This is the burden, the cross, 
that He has willed for me to bear, and I'll bear it. How? How do we do that as willingly and as faithfully as the angels do in heaven? The only way that we can, beloved, is if we understand God's purpose in His will. Why? Why is God's will done? Why do I want God's will to be executed in my life? Two things the Catechism teaches us. And both of them explain, develop this thought. God's will is superior to my will. If we could take that thought and have that thought be impressed upon our hearts and upon our lives and take that thought home with us, and live in acknowledgement of that fact that God's will is superior to my will, then we will have the ability to have a beginning at obeying God's will with a good and proper attitude. Two things the Catechism gives unto us, both of which explain this thought that God's will is superior to our will. And the two things are that God's will is good, and on the other hand, man's will is by nature fallen. If you're following the outline, I'm going to reverse A and B on the second point. Starting now with the reality that man's will is fallen. By nature is fallen. This is why the Catechism says, Grant that we and all men may renounce our own will. Because the writers of the Heidelberg Catechism understood that by nature man's will is corrupt. That's what happened at the fall in the garden. That as Adam partook of that forbidden fruit, and as his wife Eve partook as well, that the, the will and the desires and the thinking of man were no longer in perfect conformity with the will and the desires of God, But now the will of man is contrary by nature to that holy and just will of God. And so, to pray this third petition then is to pray, Father, show unto me where my will, where my thinking is contrary to Thy will. Help me to understand the depth of my own depravity. The reality is, because of our fall into sin, we do not even know what is best for us. What we might think is convenient for us, is helpful for us, could instead be to our detriment. David will that he would number the people. He thought that that would be a good idea to send out his men throughout the nation of Israel and get a statistic of how many men there were, how many warriors there were in the nation of Israel. That was David's will, and he thought it was good. But history shows that David did not know what was best. What, Jake, or what David thought was wise, in the Lord's eyes, was foolish. Jacob. Patriarch Jacob. Willed to steal the birthright blessing from his brother Esau. 
He thought it would be best for him to cover himself with goat's hair, to go into the presence of his blind father, Isaac, and to steal the birthright blessing. And he did so even with the support of his mother. But what Jacob thought was best, in God's eyes, was foolish and sinful. And so it is for you and for me. The extent of our of man's depravity is such that I do not even know how to will what is good. But by nature, my judgment is clouded. I'm in darkness. And I need God to reveal unto me His will. And so there must be then a humble acknowledgement of the truth of total depravity. If I am earnestly going to want God's will to happen in my life, and this not just to be lip service and asking that His will be done, but a desire that arises out of my heart, I must confess that I am by nature a totally depraved individual. And so it isn't possible then to hold to common grace and to say that I'm going to renounce all of my own will. If I hold to common grace, then I say there's some goodness in me. There is some moral and ethical goodness in me, and because of that goodness, I have at least some understanding of what is good. The one who holds to common grace is going to struggle, if not find it impossible, to renounce his own will. We start by acknowledging our depravity. And then, we see that God's will only is good. Why is it that God's will is superior to my will? Because, as the Catechism says, God's will is only good. That God's will is good means that God's will is ethically and morally upright. That God's will is only good means that God can only desire that which is upright and pure. He cannot desire that which is sinful. That God's will is only good means that God's goodness is the source, the fountain of all other goodness that is found upon this earth. There is no goodness except that goodness originate from and come from God Himself. For God's will is only good. And so how then do we see the goodness of God's will? It's by turning to the sacred Scriptures. That's where God reveals unto us the goodness of His will. If we only evaluate the will of God with earthly eyes, we will never conclude that God's will is good. But when we evaluate the will of God with the eyes of faith, viewing the events and the circumstances of this life through the instruction of God given us in His Word, then we can begin to see and confess God's will is good. God's will is good, for He created me. Verse 5 of Isaiah 45, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. 
God is the one who has created us. And He shaped us exactly the way He wanted us to be. If God created us with what is called a handicap, with what is called a disability, that is no accident. But that's part of God's plan. He created us that way so that we could glorify Him. As God takes that which is crooked and makes it straight. Verse 2, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. Verse 25, the last verse, In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. That is God's will. That man would glorify the Creator God for the redemption which is given them through the blood-bought salvation of His Son, Jesus Christ. And so everything then that God wills to send in our lives, He does so with this purpose, that we would acknowledge His greatness, that He is God and God alone, And that we would glorify and praise Him for the redemption He has given us through Jesus Christ. And so if God puts sickness in my home, then God does this in order to teach me that this earth is not my home, but I long for the fatherland. If God gives unto me the wayward child or wayward children. God does this to teach unto me that He is sovereign over salvation. And who am I to murmur or complain about God's ways for me? Who? Who makes this petition? We. Who are the children of God, make this third petition. Grant, the Catechism says, that we may renounce our own will. We who have been chosen by God from before the foundations of the world, we who have had our salvation purchased with the blood of the Paschal. Lamb, we who have been given the ability to come unto God's throne of grace because of the work of Jesus Christ, we ask of God, may Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The unbelieving man cannot and does not make this petition. The unbelieving man insists that his will is best and will stubbornly argue and fight and contend that his will is superior to anybody else's will, including God's. But grant that we, who are the members of the church of Jesus Christ, We, who belong unto God, to Jesus, in body and in soul, grant that we may renounce our own will, and that others, indeed all men, would also renounce their own will. And that God's will would be done in their lives as well. For after all, Jesus Christ teaches us to pray.
Thy will be done on earth. Which is a petition that includes then the needs of the kingdom as the kingdom extends throughout the face of this earth. Grant that all men would obey Thy will. This is a prayer that starts with myself, with we, the first person, but a prayer that extends also then to others. It is a prayer that is very similar to the previous petition then, Thy kingdom come. It's a prayer that the Word of God would go forth to the four corners of this earth so that men would perform the will of God. It is a prayer that more and more kingdom of Jesus Christ would be established within our hearts. It's a prayer that we will let our light shine before men so that all men would renounce their own will and without murmuring obey God's will. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, Thou art the one who dost sweetly and powerfully bend the will of Thy children so that we are transformed into the image of Thy Son, Jesus Christ. May Thy will be done in our lives. Wilt Thou forgive us where in pride we have thought that our will is better than Thy will. Wilt Thou humble us, save us, and preserve us. For Jesus' sake, Amen.